Chapters twenty one and twenty two of Lena Rivers by Mary Jane Holmes. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty one. Joel Slocum. In this chapter, it may not be out of place to introduce an individual who, though not a very important personage, is still in some degree connected with our story. On the night when Durward and his father were riding home from Frankfurt, the family at Maple Grove, with the exception of Grandma, were as usual assembled in the parlor john jr had returned and purposely telling his mother and carrie whom he had left with lena had succeeded in putting them both into an uncomfortable humour the latter secretly lamenting the mistake which she had committed in suffering lena to stay with mabel but it could not be remedied now there was no good reason for calling her home and the lady broke at least three cambric needles in her vigorous jerks at the handkerchief she was hemming a heavy tread upon the piazza a loud ring of the bell and carrie straightened up thinking it might possibly be durward who had called on his way home but the voice was strange and rather impatiently she waited does mr john livingstone live here asked the stranger of the negro who answered the summons yes sir answered the servant eyeing the newcomer askance and is old miss nichols and helene to hum the negro grinned answering in the affirmative and asking the young man to walk in well guess i will said he advancing a few steps toward the parlor door then suddenly halting he added more to himself than to the negro darned if i don't go to the hull figure and send in my card as they do to boston so saying he drew from his pocket an embossed card and bending his knee for a table he wrote with sundry flourishes mr joel slocum esq slocumville massachusetts there hand that to your boss said he and tell him i'm out in the entry at the same time he stepped before the hat-stand rubbing up his oily hair and thinking mr joel slocum would make an impression anywhere who is it ben whispered carrie dunno miss said the negro passing the card to his master and waiting in silence for his orders mr joel slocum esq slocumville massachusetts slowly read mr livingstone wondering where he had heard that name before who simultaneously asked carrie and anna while their mother looked up wonderingly instantly john jr remembered lena's love-letter and anticipating fun exclaimed show him in ben show him in while ben is showing him in we will introduce him more fully to our readers promising that the picture is not overdrawn but such as we saw it in our native state joel belonged to that extreme class of yankees with which we sometimes though not often meet brought up among the new england mountains he was almost wholly ignorant of what really belonged to good manners fancying that he knew everything and sneering at those of his acquaintance who being of a more quiet turn of mind were content to settle down in the home of their fathers caring little or nothing for the world without but as for him he was bound he said to see the elephant and if his brothers were green enough to stay tied to their mother's apron-strings they might do it but he wouldn't no sir he was going to make something of himself to effect this about two years before the time of which we are speaking he went to boston to learn the art of daguerreotype-taking in which he really did seem to excel returning home with some money a great deal of vanity and a strong propensity to boast of what he had seen recollections of lena his early and as he sentimentally expressed it his undying all-enduring love still haunted him and at last he determined upon a tour to kentucky purchasing for the occasion a rather fantastic suit consisting of greenish pants blue coat red vest and yellow neck handkerchief 
these he laid carefully by in his trunk until he reached lexington where he intended stopping for a time and hanging out a naming sign which announced his presence and capabilities after spending a few days in the city endeavouring to impress its inhabitants with a sense of his consequence and mentally styling them all know-nothings because they did not seem to be more affected he one afternoon donned his best suit and started for mr livingstone's thinking he should create a sensation there for wasn't he as good as anybody didn't he learn his trade in boston the very centre and source of all the isms of the day and ought not mr livingstone to feel proud of such a guest and wouldn't lena stare when she saw him so much improved from what he was when they picked checkerberries together with this comfortable opinion of himself it is not at all probable that he felt any misgivings when ben ushered him at once into the presence of mr livingstone's family who stared at him in unfeigned astonishment nothing daunted he went through with the five changes of a bow which he had learned at a dancing school bringing himself up finally in front of mr livingstone and exclaiming howdy do mr livingstone i s'pose though it comes more natural to say cousin john for i've heard miss nichols and aunt nancy talk of you ever since i was knee-high and seems as how you must be related how is the old lady and helene too i don't see em here though i thought at fust this might be her nodding to anna mr livingstone was confounded while his wife had strong intentions of ordering the intruder from the room but john jr had no such idea he liked the fun and now coming forward said mr slocum as your card indicates allow me the pleasure of presenting you to my mother and sisters at the same time ringing the bell he ordered a servant to go for his grandmother ah ladies how de do hope you are well till we are better acquainted said joel bowing low and shaking out the folds of his red silk handkerchief strongly perfumed with peppermint mrs livingstone did not even nod carry but slightly while anna said good evening mr slocum quickly observing mrs livingstone's silence joel turned to john jr saying don't believe she heard you deaf mebby john jr nodded and at that moment grandma appeared in a great hurry to know who wanted to see her instantly seizing her hand joel exclaimed now aunt martha if this ain't good for sore eyes how do you do pretty well pretty well she returned but you've got the better of me for i don't know more'n the dead who you be now how you talk said joel if this don't beat all my fust wife's relations why i should have known you if i'd met you in a porridge pot but then i s'pose i've altered for the better since i see you don't you remember joel slocum that used to have kind of a snickerin' notion after helene why i guess i do answered grandma again seizing his hand where did you come from and why didn't your aunt nancy come with you tilda this is nancy scovendike's sister's boy carline and annie this is joel you've heard tell of him i've been introduced thank you said joel taking a seat near carrie who haughtily gathered up the ample folds of her dress lest it should be polluted bashful critter but she'll get over it by the time she's seen as much of the world as i have soliloquized joel at the same time thinking to make some advances he hitched a little nearer and taking hold of the strip of embroidery on which she was engaged he said now do tell if they got to workin with floss way down here 
waste of time i tell em this makin holes for the sake of sewin em up but la he added as he saw the deepening scowl on carrie's face women may jest as well be putterin about that as anything else for their time ain't nothin more an an old settin hens this speech called forth the first loud roar in which john jr had indulged since nelly went away and now settling back in his chair he gave vent to his feelings in peals of laughter in which joel also joined thinking he'd said something smart when at last he'd finished laughing he thought again of lena and turning to mrs livingstone asked where she was raising his voice to a high key on account of her supposed deafness did you speak to me asked the lady with a look which she meant should annihilate him and in a still louder tone joel repeated his question asking anna aside if her mother had ever tried mcallister's all-healing ointment for her deafness saying it had nighly cured his grandmother when she was several years older than mrs livingstone much obliged for your prescription which fortunately i do not need said mrs livingstone angrily while joel thought how strange it was that deaf people would always hear in the wrong time mother don't seem inclined to answer your question concerning lena said john jr so i will do it for her she is in frankfort taking music lessons you used to know her i believe lawd yes i chased her once with a streaked snake and if she didn't put her through then i'm no judge taking music lessons is she i'd give a full pence to hear her play are you fond of music asked john jr in hopes of what followed wall i wouldn't much wander if i was answered joel taking a tuning-fork from his pocket and striking it upon the table i've kept singin school one term besides leadin the methodist squire in slocumville so i ought to know a little something about it perhaps you play and if so we'd like to hear you continued john jr in spite of the deprecating glance cast upon him by carrie not such a dreadful sight answered joel sauntering towards the piano and drumming a part of old lang syne not such a dreadful sight but i guess these girls do come girls play us a jig won't you go cad it won't hurt you whispered john but carrie was immovable and at last anna who entered more into her brother's spirit took her seat at the instrument asking what he would have oh give us money musk hail columby old zip coon or anything to raise a feller's ideas fortunately anna's forte lay in playing old music which she preferred to more modern pieces and joel was soon beating time to the lively strains of money musk wall i declare said he when it was ended i don't see but what you kentucky gals play most as well as they do to hum i didn't s'pose many on you ever seen a pianner come turning to carrie let's see what you can do maybe you'll beat her all holler and he offered his hand to carrie who rather petulantly said she must be excused oh get out he continued you needn't feel so bashful for i shan't criticize you very hard i know how to feel for new beginners have you been to supper mr slocum asked mr livingstone pitying carrie and wishing to put an end to the performance no i hain't and i'm hungrier than a bear answered joel whereupon mrs nichols thinking he was her guest arose saying that she would see that he had some when both were gone to the dining-room mrs livingstone's wrath boiled over that's what comes of harbouring your relatives said she looking indignantly at her husband and adding that she hoped the insolent fellow did not intend staying all night for if he did he couldn't 
do you propose turning him into the street asked mr livingstone looking up from his paper i don't propose anything except that he won't stay in my house and you needn't ask him i hardly think an invitation is necessary for i presume he expects to stay returned mr livingstone while john jr rejoined of course he does and if mother doesn't find him a room i shall take him in with me besides going to frankfort with him to-morrow this was enough for mrs livingstone would do almost anything rather than have her son seen in the city with that specimen accordingly when the hour for retiring arrived she ordered corinda to show him into the east chamber a room used for her common kind of visitors but which joel pronounced as neat as a fiddle the next morning he announced his intention of visiting frankfort proposing to grandma that she should accompany him and she was about making up her mind to do so when lena and mabel both appeared in the yard they had come out for a ride they said and finding the morning so fine had extended their excursion as far as maple grove sending their servant back to tell where they were going with his usual assurance joel advanced toward lena greeting her tenderly and whispering in her ear that he found she was greatly improved as well as himself while lena wondered in what the improvement consisted she had formerly known him as a great overgrown good-natured boy and now she saw him a conceited gawky still her manner was friendly toward him for he had come from her old home had breathed the air of her native hills and she well remembered how years ago he had with her planted and watered the flowers which he told her were still growing at her mother's grave and yet there was something about her which puzzled joel who felt that the difference between them was great he was disappointed and the declaration which he had fully intended making was left until another time when as he thought he shouldn't be so confounded shy of her his quarters too at maple grove were not the most pleasant for no one noticed him except grandma and john jr and with the conviction that the kentuckians didn't know what politeness meant he ordered his horse after dinner and started back to lexington inviting all the family to call and set for their pictures saying that seein twas them he'd take em for half price as he was leaving the piazza he turned back and drawing a large square case from his pocket passed it to lena saying it was a daguerreotype of her mountain home which he had taken on purpose for her forgetting to give it to her until that minute the look of joy which lighted up lena's face made joe almost repent of not having said to her what he intended to but thinking he would wait till next time he started off his heart considerably lightened by her warm thanks for his thoughtfulness twenty two the daguerreotype look grandmother a picture of our old home isn't it natural exclaimed lena as she ran back to the parlor yes it was natural and the old lady's tears gushed forth the moment she looked upon it there was the well the garden the gate partially open the barn in the rear now half fallen down the curtain of the west window rolled up as it was wont to be while on the doorstep basking in the warm sunshine lay a cat which mrs nichols declared was hers john ought to see this said she wiping the tears from her eyes and turning toward the door which at that moment opened admitting her son together with mr graham who had accidentally called look here john said she calling him to her side do you remember this the deep flush which mounted to john's brow showed that he did and his mother passing it toward mr graham continued it is our old home in massachusetts there's the room where john and helene both were born and where helene and her father died oh it seems but yesterday since she died and they carried her out of this door and down the road there do you see 
this question was addressed to mr graham who whether he saw or not made no answer but walked to the window and looked out upon the prospect beyond which for him had no attractions then the sight of that daguerreotype had stirred up many bitter memories and for some time he stood gazing vacantly through the window and thinking who shall say of what it would seem that the daguerreotype possessed a strong fascination for him for after it had been duly examined and laid down he took it in his hand inspecting it minutely asking where it was taken and if it would be possible to procure a similar one i have a fancy for such scenes said he and would like to have just such a picture mr slocum is stopping in lexington you say he can take one from this i suppose i mean to see him and with his usual good morning he departed two weeks from this time durward again went down to frankfort determining if a favourable opportunity presented itself to offer lena his heart and fortune he found her alone mabel having gone out to spend the day for a time they conversed together on indifferent topics each one of which was entirely foreign from that which lay nearest durward's heart at last the conversation turned upon joel slocum of whose visit durward had heard i really think lena said he laughingly that you ought to patronize the poor fellow who has come all this distance for the sake of seeing you suppose you have your daguerreotype taken for me will you durward was in earnest but with a playful shake of her brown curls lena answered lightly oh no no i have never had my picture taken in my life and i shan't begin with joel never had it taken repeated durward in some surprise no never said lena and durward continued drawing her nearer to him it is time you had then so have it taken for me i mean what i say he continued as he met the glance of her merry eyes there is nothing i should prize more than your miniature except indeed the original which you will not refuse me when i ask it will you lena's mirth was all gone she knew he was in earnest now she felt it in the pressure of his arm which encircled her waist she saw it in his eye and heard it in the tones of his voice but what should she say closer he drew her to his side she felt his breath upon her cheek and an inaudible answer trembled on her lips when noiselessly through the door came mr graham starting when he saw their position and offering to withdraw if he was intruding lena was surprised and excited and springing up she laid her hand upon his arm as he was about to leave the room bidding him stay and saying he was always welcome there so he stayed and with the first frown upon his brow which lena had ever seen durward left left without receiving an answer to his question or even referring to it again though lena accompanied him to the door half dreading yet hoping he would repeat it but he did not and wishing her much pleasure in his father's company he walked away writing in his heart bitter things against him not her on his way home he fell in with dupont who frenchman-like had taken a little too much wine and was very talkative vous just come from mademoiselle rivers said he she be one fine girl what relation she be to monsieur graham none whatever why do you ask because he pay her music lessons and here dupont suddenly remembered his promise so he kept back mr graham's assertion that he was a near relative adding in its place that he thought uh, probable he related but you know tell said he for monsieur bid me keep secret and i forgot here having reached a cross-road they parted and again durward wrote down bitter things against his father for what could be his object in wishing it kept a secret that he was paying for lena's lessons or why did he pay for them at all and did lena know it 
he thought not and for a time longer was she blameless in his eyes on reaching home he found both the parlour and drawing-room deserted and upon inquiry learned that his mother was in her own room something he could hardly tell what prompted him to knock for admission which being granted he entered finding her unusually pale with a trace of tears still upon her cheek this of itself was so common an occurrence that he would hardly have observed it had not there been about her a look of unfeigned distress which he had seldom seen before what's the matter mother said he advancing toward her what has happened to trouble you without any reply mrs graham placed in his hand a richly cased daguerreotype and laying her head upon the table sobbed aloud a moment later durwood stood transfixed to the spot for on opening the case the fair beautiful face of lena rivers looked smilingly out upon him where did you get this mother how came you by it he asked and she answered that in looking through her husband's private drawer the key of which she had accidentally found in his vest pocket she had come upon it together with a curl of soft chestnut-brown hair which she threw across durward's finger and from which he recoiled as from a viper's touch for several minutes not a word was spoken by either and then mrs graham looking him in the face said you recognize that countenance of course i do he replied in a voice husky with emotion for durward was terribly moved twice had lena asserted that never in her life had her daguerreotype been taken and yet he held it in his hands there was no mistaking it the same broad open brow the same full red lips the same smile and more than all the same clustering ringlets though arranged a little differently from what she usually wore them the hair on the picture being combed smoothly over the forehead while lena's was generally brushed up after the style of the prevailing fashion had durward examined minutely he might have found other points of difference but he did not think of that a look had convinced him that twas lena his lena he had fondly hoped to call her but that was over now she had deceived him told him a deliberate falsehood refused him her daguerreotype and given it to his father whose secrecy concerning it indicated something wrong his faith was shaken and yet for the sake of what she had been to him he would spare her good name he could not bear to hear the world breathe aught against her for possibly she might be innocent but no there was no mistaking the falsehood and durward groaned in bitterness as he handed the picture to his mother bidding her return it where she found it mrs graham had never seen her son thus moved and obeying him she placed her hand upon his arm asking why he was so affected what she was to him everything everything said he laying his face upon the table lena rivers was all the world to me i loved her as i shall never love again and then without withholding a thing durward told his mother all how he had that very morning gone to frankfort with the intention of offering lena his hand how he had partially done so when they were interrupted by the entrance of a visitor he did not say whom thank heaven for your escape i can bear your father's conduct if it is the means of saving you from her exclaimed mrs graham while her son continued and now mother i have a request to make of you a request which you must grant i have loved lena too well to cease from loving her so soon and though i can never again think to make her my wife i will not hear her name lightly spoken by the world who must never know what we do promise me mother to keep secret whatever you may know against her do you think me bereft of my senses asked mrs graham petulantly that i should wish to proclaim my affairs to every one no no mother he answered but you are easily excited and say things you had better not 
mrs livingstone bears lena no good will you know and sometimes when she is speaking disparagingly of her you may be thrown off your guard and tell what you know but this must not be promise me mother will you durward was very pale and the drops of sweat stood thickly about his mouth as he asked this of his mother who mentally congratulating herself upon her son's escape promised what he asked at the same time repeating to him all that she heard from mrs livingstone concerning lena until durward interrupted her with stop stop i've heard enough nothing which mrs livingstone could say would have weighed a straw but the conviction of my own eyes and ears have undeceived me and henceforth lena and i are strangers nothing could please mrs graham better for the idea of her son's marrying a poor unknown girl was dreadful and though she felt indignant toward her husband so peculiar was her nature that she would not have had matters otherwise if she could and when durward who disliked scenes suggested the propriety of her not speaking to his father on the subject at present she assented saying that it would be more easy for her to refrain as she was intending to start for louisville on the morrow i have been contemplating a visit there for some time and before mr graham left home this morning i had decided to go said she at the same time proposing that durward should accompany her to this he consented willingly for in the first shock of his disappointment a change of place and scene was what he most desired the hot blood of the south which burned in his veins seemed all on fire and he felt that he could not for the present at least be daily associated with his stepfather an absence of several days he thought might have the effect of calming him down it was accordingly decided that he should on the morrow start with her for louisville to be gone two weeks and with this understanding they parted durward going to his own chamber there to review the past and strive if possible to efface from his heart every memory of lena whom he had loved so well but twas all in vain he could not so soon forget her and far in the hours of night he sat alone striving to frame some excuse for her conduct the fact that his father possessed her daguerreotype might possibly be explained without throwing censure upon her but the falsehood never and with the firm conviction that she was lost to him forever he at last retired to rest just as the clock in the hall below proclaimed the hour of midnight meantime mrs graham was pondering in her own mind the probable result of a letter which in the heat of passion she had that day dispatched to lena accusing her of marring the domestic peace of her hitherto happy family and while she cast some reflections upon her birth commanding her never under any circumstances to venture into her presence this cruel letter had been sent to the office before durward's return and as she well knew how much he would disapprove of it she resolved not to tell him secretly hoping lena would keep her own counsel base creature said she to give my husband her likeness but he shall never see it again and with stealthy step she advanced toward the secret drawer which she again opened and taking from it both daguerreotype and ringlet locked it replacing the key in the pocket where she found it then seizing the long bright curl she hurled it into the glowing grate shuddering as she did so and trembling as if she really knew a wrong had been done to the dead opening the case she looked once more upon the hated features which now seemed to regard her mournfully as if reproaching her for what she had done no part of the dress was visible nothing except the head and neck which was uncovered and over which fell the chestnut curls whose companion so recently lay seething and scorching on the burning coals there was a footstep without her husband had returned and quick as thought was the daguerreotype concealed while mrs graham forcing down her emotion took up a book which she seemed to be intently reading when her husband entered 
after addressing to her a few commonplace remarks all of which she answered civilly he went to the wardrobe and on pretence of looking for his knife which he said he believed he had left in his vest pocket he took out the key and then carelessly proceeded to unlock his private drawer his wife watching him the while and keenly enjoying his look of consternation when he saw that his treasure was gone again and again was his drawer searched but all to no purpose and casting an anxious glance toward his wife whose face for a wonder betrayed no secret he commenced walking the floor in a very perturbed state of mind his wife exulting in his discomfiture and thinking herself amply avenged for all that she had endured at last he spoke telling her of a letter which he had that day received from south carolina containing the news of the death of a distant relative who had left him some property it is not necessary for me to be there in person said he but still i should like to visit my old home once more what do you think of it go by all means said she glad of anything which would place distance between him and lena no one can attend to your business one half as well as yourself when will you start if you go immediately before your return from louisville unless you wish to accompany me i'm afraid i should be an encumbrance and would rather not said she in a way which puzzled him causing him to wonder what had come over her you can do as you choose said he but i should be glad of your company no i thank you was her laconic reply as she in turn wondered what had come over him the next morning the carriage came up to the door to convey mrs graham and durward to frankfort the latter was purposely late and he did not see his father until he came down travelling bag in hand to enter the carriage then mr graham asked in some surprise where he was going with my mother to louisville sir answered durward stiffly i am not willing she should travel alone if you are and he sprang into the carriage ordering the coachman to drive off ere another word could be spoken gone when i had nerved myself to tell him everything my usual luck mused mr graham as he returned to the house and sure of no prying eyes recommenced his search for the daguerreotype which was nowhere to be found could she have found it impossible for it was not in her jealous nature to have held her peace and again he sought for it but all to no purpose and finally thinking he must have taken it with him and lost it he gave it up mourning more for the loss of the curl which could never never be replaced while the picture might be found why do i live so thought he as he nervously paced the room my life is one of continual fear and anxiety but it shall be so no longer i'll tell her all when she returns i'll brave the world dare her displeasure take lena home and be a man satisfied with this resolution and nothing doubting that he should keep it he started for versailles where he had an engagement with a gentleman who transacted business for him in lexington End of chapters twenty one and twenty two